Advances in digital technology are transforming the way we all do business, and location is fast becoming the nerve centre of the digital future. Why? Because in our global environment, location matters. And most data includes a location component that, when unlocked, will open new lines of inquiry, analysis, and understanding. Welcome to the Locate Podcast, where we share with you a deep dive into the lives, motivators, and future legacies of some of the key players at the Locate Conference, Australia's annual national gathering for custodians of location data creation and management. Locate conferences have been bringing together geospatial and surveying professionals to connect, collaborate and learn about cutting-edge industry developments and insights since 2014. Locate conferences provide three days to deep dive into geospatial technologies and harness the power of location. Please join us for Locate Connect, the Locate conference and digital exchange you have when you're not together face-to-face. Locate Connect will deliver more than a third of the content planned for Locate 20 through a digital program rolling out over five months, with a three-day mini-conference in June, exclusive fortnightly Q&A interactive events, the Hub Digital, and much more. We hope to see you at Locate Connect and then Locate 21 in Brisbane. Graham Newton has led a number of large-scale, high-profile and complex infrastructure projects during his career that spans over 25 years. He was appointed to the role of CEO for the Cross River Rail Delivery Authority in June 2017. Here, he is responsible for leading the state's top-priority infrastructure project, creating Brisbane's first underground rail line. Cross River Rail will unlock a bottleneck at the core of the city transport network and provide social and economic benefits across southeast Queensland. Graham has previously served as a Director General and Coordinator General for the Department of Infrastructure and Planning, the CEO of the Queensland Reconstruction Authority following the 2011 Brisbane floods, and the lead partner for Deloitte Queensland's public sector advisory practice. We're privileged to have you join us, Graham. Graham, you started your career as a surveyor, so you're no stranger to the geospatial industry. But how did you get from there to where you are now, leading Queensland's largest infrastructure project? Thanks for that. Yeah, look, I had an early interest in infrastructure and I guess project management and and starting out in surveying gave me a bit of exposure to that project sector. But really, I started liking the project management aspect and I found myself in the Coordinator General's department here the Queensland government, who basically is involved with a lot of large projects. So while I was there and working with Coordinator General, I went off and was doing a master's degree uh, majoring in project management, which kind of steered me down that path. And then after working on a couple of major projects with Coordinator General, I was actually appointed the Coordinator General and took charge of that part of the department. It wasn't long after that we had the floods in 2010 and 11, and then subsequent ones in 12, 13 and 14. And I was appointed at the start of that when the floods happened in 2011 um, to run the reconstruction program. It was about a $12 billion program we did over several years. And that put me in a position where um, I was, I suppose I was suited to a large project like this with multifaceted aspects. And, And I've been doing this for about two and a half years. So that's really exciting, Graham. What do you enjoy most about the work that you do at the moment? I think it's the people. It's the the um, capability, the knowledge, the experience. I mean, we've got people from all over the world working for us who've all worked on different projects throughout Australia or internationally. 
and they bring that knowledge and capability to the one environment and you see that focused effort and the inspiration of seeing those people come together and create something in a collaborative environment is, is just inspiring. If there was one piece of advice that you could give to your past self, what would this be? I probably would say um, you know, collaborate across sectors. Uh, so not just stay in the swim lane of the, your own sector. I mean, look outside because um, being able to integrate across different sectors is where you can actually get the magic. Keep up with technology. Technology is ever evolving. You don't need to know how to do it. You don't need to know how to program or write the different uh, script that's required. But what you need to do is understand how to use that technology, use people's capabilities who know how to use that technology. Probably uh, more on a personal note, it'd be to say, you know, enjoy the ride. It's, there's a 30-year journey ahead. Uh, you don't have to try and um, boil the ocean in the first year. And then probably one that I've learned more recently is take leave when it's available. Spend time with your family. Go on school holidays with them because it's so fleeting. It happens so quickly. That's very true. Graham, what are the kinds of people that inspire you? The kinds of people that inspire me are, are really um, optimistic people, people who sort of can see a way through challenges because often in this sector we're always dealing with challenges and it's those people who are optimistic. I mean, we need to make sure we don't get caught up in an optimism bias, but at the same time, optimistic people will say, look, we can find a way, I'm sure we can find a way. And then I suppose uh, corollary with that is um, lateral thinkers, people who, who are not structured and stuck in the things that they're doing. They go, well, you know, just because we haven't always done that, that doesn't mean we can't do it. And then I suppose probably um, more importantly, moving into the leadership area is people with a really solid moral compass. So who can be confronted with those challenges that you have during these projects and the ability to sort of use that core moral compass to take you through and navigate your way through those difficult decisions that need to be made. Those are some really, really good learnings there. Um, would you mind telling us how have mentors changed the way that you work? I've had different mentors, I'd have to say, over my career and really people from a personal perspective, professional from social interests, those sorts of things. And having that balance is pretty good. I mean, mentors are great to sort of download to when you, you're confronted with some challenges. And often even just articulating to someone who's informed can be enough to sort of give you that perspective that you need. But they can also give you a little bit of guidance. I mean, I do a lot of mentoring now. Uh, and one thing that I didn't realize is just how rewarding it is actually for the person who is the mentor to help other people out and navigate their way through their careers. My suggestion is, yeah, find mentors across more than just the professional side of things. And by all means, you know, engage, engage, engage. So on a slightly different note now, can you tell me what excites you the most about Locate 20? We are so thrilled to have you as one of our keynote speakers it's going to be a great opportunity to showcase the work that we're doing, but also hear what others are doing. And I guess that's the essence of what this is about. The evolution that's happening um, in the sector uh, over the last couple of years has been quite incredible. I mean, we've been working on our project DNA, which is our digital twin for one of a better description, but a bit more than that. And what we've been trying to do is work out, well, how do we do this effectively? How do we use these tools that are available but in a different configuration and, and that's what we've been doing but you can always learn you can always hear what others are doing and then pass on knowledge and it's that engagement that collaboration I mean, we've found ourselves in a position where we've got a facility where we've combined 
the capability across a bunch of different aspects of the geospatial sector. And we're now using it in a range of different ways. And, and as I said, the, the sector has evolved so quickly. So we've just got to keep our heads up and keep taking in what is new technology. And this conference will be one that will allow a lot of opportunity to share that knowledge. So Graham, you've spent a lot of time in the infrastructure industry and have achieved some truly groundbreaking projects, currently working as a CEO of the Cross River Rail Delivery Authority. How have you seen geospatial and surveying change over time through your career and what are you most excited about for the future of the Australian geospatial and surveying industry? Yeah, you're right. There has been a lot of change. I was um, trying to reflect back actually this morning on some instruments that we used to use when I was at university. And to be honest, I couldn't remember their names. But all I know is they were pretty rudimentary. And, uh, you know, when, when you're thinking about things like having to drag a chain out and do the temperature tests and calculate the sag and so forth, it was pretty hard to describe to someone who really hasn't seen it nor been through it. And I'm pretty happy to leave that, that time behind me, I can tell you. But what we're seeing is this sort of adoption of technology come on, and that's just changed the way we operate. Digital twins seem to be the sort of the, the flavor of the month at the moment, but I think that rolls off the tongue too easily. Really, it's how we use this technology, how we see a convergence of technology, get you know, 3D geospatial mapping wrapped into a tool that allows us to use that 3D model in a um, common data environment that allows us to sort of grab the information, use it productively rather than just as information. I mean, for example, we had some uh, artifacts identified at the Wool and Gabber site. Now you would think, oh, well, normally you'd take those artifacts, photograph them, log them and hand them over to the museum. But what we've done is we've logged them, geotagged them, the reports, the photographs, the locations, the 3D images, are all embedded into our uh, DNA model. So you've got this ability to interrogate and track and maintain both geographically as well as digitally, and then a lot of the content can come through. And that, that's just a sort of a light touch. So over the last two years, even since we started Project DNA, we've actually seen an evolution and the quality of the, the rendering, the quality of the BIM and the convergence has just evolved dramatically even in the last two years. There have been a lot of developments and a strong push in Australia, particularly across the East Coast, around digital twin readiness, as you mentioned. What excites you most about a future where we're working with digital twins and other similar technologies? And what do you think some of the key cultural changes are that our industry will need to overcome and adapt into to be able to get there? There is a massive shift in that direction, but there is also a bit of a mind shift that needs to take place. We've gone around the world in you know, talking to different people who have come to us or we've communicated with them. Our team has spoken to different people and we've seen what's sort of happening elsewhere. And uh, you know, we talk to the people at Crossrail in Singapore, um, in the US, um, in other parts of Europe, and really giving us an insight of what's going. What we sort of found was that, that people are often staying focused in their own particular areas and not looking for that convergence. We're seeing it come through, but there's that convergence that needs to happen. We can get this common data environment. You can use the same data for multiple facets and then use it for different outputs. So what we're, what we're looking at is trying to move beyond just the standard approach of uh, you know, a BIM model or, or a separate GIS model or a 3D rendering 
and actually bring all that together. And that's that's what is Project DNA, the convergence. And we're now in a position where we've got the ability to rapidly change out different designs as they're completed, as the design drawings come through, embed that into the model and then allow that to be played through for different audiences, be they technical, be they property development sector, a range of different things. And then we now have an experience center which allows community engagement, but we've also had engagement from technical people, engineers who are actually on the job. In fact, there's a, a, a leadership um, meeting that I'm chairing this afternoon in the Experience Centre where we will actually be talking about parts of the project and using the 3D model as part of that. But we've also used the same model for engagement with community groups such as um, disability access groups and so forth. So it's how you get that convergence, thinking laterally that you can bring all this stuff together you know, the ones and zeros can work effectively together, my team assure me, and then use that not just for a particular purpose, but just look at it and say, how can we use the same thing for multiple purposes and make it available? And then what that does is um, sets us up in a position where we can save time. You're not doing multiple renders for architectural purposes or community engagement purposes. You've got the ability to do a drone mode, take a screenshot, and then use it that afternoon for briefings or for public uh, engagement. Seeing as saving time, saving cost, but thinking laterally. And I guess that's, that's the challenge is for everyone to start going, okay, well, how do we think laterally? How do we bring these different pieces together, not get territorial about what's our area within geospatial? It's what can we do to collaborate across the different aspects? In terms of creating that sense of, I guess, stewardship instead of ownership, what do you see as the greatest roadblocks that we might need to overcome along the way to be able to create a greater sense of collaboration and convergence? Look, it's, it's activities like the LAT20 is going to be important about sharing that and allowing people to see how others are, are thinking laterally. Look at global best practice. I mean, the sector is very much a digital platform, so it gives the ability to communicate with people outside of your own backyard. I mean, reflecting back into my... Uh, old surveying days that was not something that you really did I mean you, you might get a new theodolite and think that that was um, you know a piece of of groundbreaking technology whereas today you can you can communicate with someone on the other side of the world and then pick up an idea and bring it through I mean the approach that we took here too was one where I paired up the project controls director who was very data driven you know left brain kind of guy with um, my lead marketing guy, who's very much blue sky, right brain. And what that did is, you know, you had this odd couple of, of people who, you know, culturally um, very different, but, but really good people. And they got together and sort of said, well, how do we make this oil and water mix? And how do we turn that into something that's going to um, do more and do it more quickly and do it more effectively? And I'd have to say that convergence of behavior, that convergence of thinking, was one that we actually hadn't seen elsewhere, but it's really putting us in a position where, as I said, we're saving time, we're saving money, and we're seeing it being used really quite innovatively. But I think that general reluctance to sort of get outside the parts of the, the sector can just create that sort of mental roadblock where people are saying, no, this is why we've done it. Uh, and the notion that you put a controls director with a marketing guy and say, come up with a new model for me is one that uh, wouldn't normally come to mind. Graham, you clearly have an incredible journey ahead of you. What's on the horizon for you and what legacy do you want to leave for future generations? 
this project will have an opportunity to leave a legacy, you know, in a physical sense. It'll change the way in which Brisbane as a city looks and feels and how people get around. But probably in the context of what we're talking about, Project DNA, I would like to see is not a fixed thing. It's an evolving thing. And it's something that will really trigger an evolutionary change in the way in which people are looking at the use of digital information, geospatial information in the city. We're putting a tunnel through the inner core of the CBD, which means we're doing a lot of mapping through the city, both underground, we're picking up basements, we're picking up the geology of the place, and then also the physical infrastructure that we're building. So we'll be creating this really good data environment that can be used for multiple purposes. The PPP operator after the project's done will be able to use the information and you would expect that would be beneficial for them in the way in which they operate. And if they're operating well, then Queensland Rail would hopefully be able to use the information to allow them to be effective in what they're doing as far as providing a service. But then that knocks on to the customers, people who are actually using the trains, will have a far better service, greater availability. And looking outside that, Brisbane City Council, the property industry. So that's the type of legacy, I think, if we can create this environment where we can start to get convergence between not only our project, but projects like Queen's Wharf, Brisbane Metro, South Bank, other uh, private sector projects that are happening in the city, we'll, we'll be creating something that will get its own life beyond just our project. And, and that's the way we need to look at it. We are a, a body of the Queensland government and the Queensland taxpayers are the ones who are contributing to the project DNA. So it's quite right that we actually make that information available broadly so that people can add to it and Queensland benefits as a result. Thank you very much, Graham. It's been such a pleasure to have you with us on the show today. And I'm really looking forward to your keynote plenary at Locate 20. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining us for today's episode with Graham Newton as we explored how Cross River Rail is leveraging innovation and collaboration to deliver Brisbane's first underground rail line and make a real difference for the future of the state. Join us next time as we speak with Paul Reed, convener of the Locate 20 conference, as we speak about what makes Locate conferences unique, how Locate is designed to make a tangible difference to the future of the industry, and what the themes of this year's conference mean. Mm-hmm.